0: Greetings, Rare Ones, and welcome to the Rare Birds Emerging Markets Podcast. I am your host, Joanne A. Hamilton. This show is an exploration of the problems and solutions, ideas and concepts, growth and development, nuance and complexity behind emerging market startup ecosystems. Each season, I share unique conversations filled with stories from early-stage founders, Ecosystem builders, investors, and innovators from the front lines of global change and innovation. You will gain fresh perspective and insights, as well as learn from those on the ground who are creating the shifts and driving the action. The RareBirds Emerging Markets Podcast is a part of the RareBirds family of podcasts. You can find all our podcasts, TV, magazine, and additional resources by visiting our platform at www. RearbirdsHQ.com. The Rearbirds platform is on a mission to share the ingenuity occurring across emerging markets, one story at a time. We're here to help you as you journey along the ever changing environment in emerging markets.
1: We're not in the Rwanda kind of where. You know, the, everything has ended and, you know, you're, you're moving to places.
0: Somalia is still in the transition, material state to a proper government.
1: Even though the small brands will never compete in price, what we've been seeing is that uh, they can compete on, on story. And for us, what we do, we're storytellers. You know, it's also the
0: kind of tea that you're making and the kind of name that you've kind of created in the market. Mm. Uh, which is, uh, which you kind of value with all your heart
1: and soul. You just say, you know, let's change Africa or a solution for Africa or, or something like that, because um, it's really just, just dopamine driven conversations. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it just doesn't really make sense to talk about a solution for Africa, because Af- Africa is not really, there is no one solution that works for us.
0: Right now, um, we believe that the robotic arm especially is the type of robot that can help solve many problems, not only in one sector, but in different sectors around the continent at the same time.
1: It became a big problem, problematic. And sometimes in these markets too, you know, scaling doesn't happen overnight. It takes, you don't build an application over a year or two years scale to like maybe 600,000 or 1 million customers, it doesn't happen that way. It really takes a while. People are, people really are careful in spending their, the few dollars they have
0: Greetings Rare Ones, it's Joanne here, welcoming you to quarter two of 2022, the spring edition of the Rare Birds Emerging Markets podcast. So in this series, we are heading to five South Asian countries. We're going to go to Nepal, Bhutan, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, and Maldives. So today we kick the conversations off with Nepali Siksit Bhatta, and he is the CEO and co-founder at Tootle. Tutel is a tech brand pioneering ride-sharing in the country. I really hope you enjoy listening into the conversation. All right then, let's go. Greetings, Sixit, and welcome to the Rare Birds Emerging Markets podcast. Thanks, Joanne. Uh, nice meeting you. Thanks for reaching out. Yes, absolutely. So let us jump in. First thing, tell us about you, Sixit, and your background.
1: Well, John, I'm an entrepreneur. I live in Nepal in Kathmandu. Um, my background is I'm by training, I'm a telecom engineer. I spent around seven years working for a telecom company. And after that, uh, I also have my MBA and then moved to a bank and worked there for five years. And suddenly at the other end of 30, I realized that I should do something of my own. And that's when I decided to quit a corporate job and just jumped into entrepreneurship. Uh, that's a brief intro about me
0: okay so was was there something that happened along the way that made made you take the jump or was it just like you know in your mind like you said you were thinking I have to do my I have to do my own thing was there you know I think yeah I think it's it's
1: it's about an experience that I had when I was working for the corporate world Um, I was working in a in a management position and my perks and benefits were pretty good, right? Yeah. But when I worked with a bank and even before that working with telecom, I used to come across uh, professionals who were my seniors, who were my peers and colleagues. Uh, I, I, could, I could always sense that, uh, you know, these people at the, when they were trying to retire, when they were about to retire, they would tell me that, oh, we should actually do something of my own something of your own. So I didn't want to be of the age and uh, maybe advising a younger self uh, when I was retiring from a corporate job to do something of my own. That's, that's one, one thing that led me to this. But to be very honest, you know, when I was working for a bank, I had um, a good career, like I said. Um, banks, of course, have uh, good salaries. You know, they will give you vehicles to drive, they'll uh, fill your uh, gas. Plus, they would also give you, you know, a lot of perks and benefits. But when you go out and, and eat uh, as, as a corporate employee, you know, you'd uh, literally find the cheapest place to eat, right? Because uh, what you feel is that you have to save money for the future. And you feel you need to save money for the future for your retirement was because uh, as a as a corporate employee, as an employee, you, you always felt that the future is not going to be as good as the past. Right? Uh, but when I, when I became an entrepreneur, I realized that uh, you could actually not only believe that the future can be better than the past, but you can make or create a future that's better than the past. So basically, entrepreneurs don't have uh, uh, in terms of salaries and benefits what the financial institutions or the corporate uh, organizations give you, but you're always living with the hope and the optimism of, for the future, rather than the nostalgia of the past. So I think I wanted to get rid of the of the nostalgia of the past and uh, and live with the hope and optimism for the future. So that's actually what drove me.
0: Wow, that is so eloquently well put. And it's, it's spot on. It's true. There's, there's something about entrepreneurship that makes you hopeful, whereas in a corporate job, you're, you're not always sure of, of what, well, I guess you are certain you're going to work and you will retire. But you like you said, you're just saving towards that. And then that's the end, right?
1: Right, right. Yeah,
0: Yeah. Definitely.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So- and 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 I was actually doing this interview with someone who asked me exactly the same question, right? Ah. And I was doing doing that interview with that guy in a coffee shop uh, where I would pay for the most expensive coffee, which was probably three or four times more than the price of the lunch that I would pay for the uh, for for lunch when I was working for the bank. And I suddenly realized that I was paying four times. For coffee than I would pay for lunch when I was working for someone else, yet I didn't have any salaries, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I think that happens when you when you believe that uh, you can actually
0: create a future that's better than the past. Definitely, definitely. So tell us the story behind Tudor. Oh wow, yeah. Uh, yeah, (laughs) many
1: people have, have have asked me, you know, why did you become an entrepreneur? What problem you wanted to solve there? And if I were to go uh, on, the, on the hindsight and maybe make a statement, I could, I could tell you right now that, hey, we, I wanted to solve this problem, that problem, this and that, right? But actually, <laughs> if I were to be very honest with you, I didn't become an entrepreneur. Neither did I want to become an entrepreneur uh, to, to solve a problem. I think I wanted to become an entrepreneur to express myself. Right. right. Because, I, uh, read,
0: I read uh, somewhere in an interview where you did say that. It's an expression of yourself. Yeah
1: yes yes yeah uh, i think uh, entrepreneur like any form of art uh, is a form of expression and uh, that's the reason why i chose the the journey that i took so it's it's basically about expressing myself and expressing myself through the products and services we create so basically it was not about solving a problem Uh, which came much later, but it it was a more of an evolutionary process that led me to do what I'm doing, uh, which probably coincided with my own growth and my own own progress over the years. And that's how it happened, basically. Yeah.
0: Okay. I was going to ask you, you know, what problem are you solving? So based on what you just said, I'm going to say, what exactly is it are you expressing through Toodle? If Tootle is your let, your vacuum, your channel of expression, what it what exactly is it do that you're trying to express?
1: Yeah, so so when when it comes to things like expression, right? It's it, when I were to compare it uh, with uh, say art or music, uh, there's there's nothing as a perfect uh, expression, right? So just like there's no perfect uh, dance, there's no perfect music, right? Um, uh, there's no perfect painting, right? And that's why I think Leonardo da Vinci spent sixteen years. Improving Mona Lisa till he till he died because he always wanted to improve into it. So for us, that uh, that form of expression came into the deeper values of what we were trying to do, uh, right? So when we created Toodle, uh, we know it was solving a problem because mobility was a huge problem, but that was not what we wanted to be driven by, you know, because everyone was doing the same, right? You had Ubers of the world, you have grabs of the world, you have DDs of the world. Everyone was trying to solve a a problem. So you know just by having a ride sharing through an app wouldn't inspire us as as individual or as a group of people or as team members. So we're we're trying to search for what actually Tutol meant to us. What is the the music we have to play? What are the notes we need to hit? So when we're trying to architecture the brand uh, You know, we had a workshop with my team members and we tried to ask everyone with a question, you know, what tootle actually means to you when we started. We knew it was solving a problem. We knew there were a lot of people who were happy about using Tuttle. We were uh, becoming overnight celebrities in town, but that was not what it was. So when we asked these questions to ourselves and a team of people uh, working with us, we didn't have the right answer, so we. Someone said, "Okay, it means a scooter ride." Someone said it was a bike ride. So we're trying to search for that answer, and as we were trying to search for this answer, uh, one of the users of tutor walked inside our office during very early days. Uh, he he was from Spain, and his name is Mikhail. So he just barged inside our office and. Uh, and said hey guys uh, you guys are doing total i just came to thank you thank you all for creating this service and he also showed me his helmet that he bought because uh, it was a lot safer to ride with the helmet so i randomly asked uh, in the middle of this workshop hey mikhail how do you feel and the answer that came from his mouth was oh i feel so free right uh and i think that freedom uh, was a word that was very very important to us because and, and it's important because the freedom is taken for granted in cities like new york in cities like los angeles
0: yes right
1: absolutely or or uh, developed countries where if you have to go from say queens to manhattan middle of the night you don't you have the freedom to move around because you have the trains you have the subways and you have every possible means to move from either Queens to New York or JFK to say Heathrow. And, and in, in developed economies, we take that freedom for granted. But if you have seen the cities like ours, if you've seen the cities in, in Africa, in India, in, in emerging markets, freedom is very, very precious. So we felt, you know, what should inspire us as individuals or as total was to enable people with that freedom of movement and freedom of mobility. And that's what inspires us. And that's our story.
0: for example, in emerging market countries, these things are, it, it's not as well developed. So can you just give us sort of um, an overview of transportation in uh, the city? In well, we,
1: we don't have, look, if, if I were to look at the transportation market or infrastructure, your biggest competitor as an entrepreneur who is doing ride sharing should be the government, right? Uh, It should be the government infrastructure. Right. Uh, But we do not have any. But when we talk about infrastructure, we we talk about transportation, right? Uh, What what developed markets are doing is they're creating transportation infrastructure. And when you think of transportation, uh, you, You think of flyovers, you think of trains, you think of big bridges and tunnels, right? It's disassociated from an individual. But the narrative needs to be, we need to think of mobility and not transportation. So when you're thinking of mobility, we're thinking of people, right? When you're thinking of mobility, we're, we're thinking of how people would move safely and in a secured manner from point A to point B. And it could be totally devoid of Of a bigger infrastructure so you know i've I've always believed that we should enable people's mobility and uh, and that enablement of of mobility could happen by making safer spaces by having bigger sidewalks by encouraging people to walk or bike or, or become more greener in their in their approach to mobility right but when you're thinking of transportation we're thinking of of bigger roads bigger buildings and and bigger bridges i think what people need more is mobility yeah, and, um, and that's how i look at uh, the space
0: the freedom to move about but at the same time there must be safety otherwise people won't move absolutely. about
1: <laughs> absolutely absolutely right? exactly just for example look if if you think of the design of the world uh, that uh, we have today in, including infrastructure it's developed by by men for men
0: okay? mm,
1: right why I'm saying so is like if you're going into a sidewalk in, in, in countries like ours or even in most of the emerging countries you'd not find a, a lavatory or a toilet in the in the middle of the road I, I know men can you go anywhere but for women mm. uh, it's, it's a challenge isn't it so we yes. don't think of we don't think of women. Or people living with disabilities. When we think of uh, mobility and uh, such small infrastructures, so by just having a uh, a street lamp uh, in in cities could enable women's mobility, isn't it? Because they just feel much more safer. So I think it it needs to be general gender neutral. It needs to be more inclusive when we talk about mobility. Uh, and infrastructure should not discriminate between rich and the poor between the abled and the disabled disabled between men and women so i think mobility has that uh, uh, that 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 power if we if we use it properly we could uh, make these things more inclusive
0: definitely i want to talk a little bit about this concept of the shared economy um, you mentioned mm-hmm. dd and uber all the all the big all the big names that we do know but in your country in Nepal is that what is what are, what do people think about that concept? is it embraced? Are there other shared economies uh, startups there?
1: Well we, we have competition that has come from outside uh, but people have embraced uh, the shared economy and shared mobility uh, because uh, this has been a huge challenge for them for most of the people just to move around from point A to point B so we, we saw uh, a good acceptance for people uh, from people and 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 most importantly what we found out was uh, people like women uh, were the ones who were taking most of the rides people who were living with disabilities were the ones who were freed in, in their freedom of uh, in their movement uh, we saw these kind of people take our rides more because these were the people who were the most challenged when it came to mobility in in cities like ours right so and because of that it was embraced and it was accepted uh, by people
0: right now you mentioned that there's competition but you said it's from the outside so Mm -hmm. so there are other ride-sharing apps but they're they're foreign ones basically international that's correct yes okay yes that's correct. but there aren't a lot of ride-sharing apps generally in the market are there
1: well, we have, uh, you know, we were the pioneers. So we began uh, the entire movement okay. um, in 2016 because uh, we have a lot of uh, red tape and bureaucratic challenges. Um, so we had to face everything, uh, personally and professionally. But now we feel that we've established this market and uh, the market is open for many other players to come in. Uh, okay. But the way we also see that as... You know, it's, it's just like Wright brothers who proved that planes can fly, but you don't remember the founder of Boeing, do you?
0: <laughs> right, yeah. So yeah.
1: so, so, so we, we feel that we pioneered the sharing economy and uh, we feel uh, that we've uh, been at the frontiers of innovation in a country like ours. We've been bold in our innovation and we've led the way. And this should also encourage many other people to join the race, if not, Right sharing but uh, do things that could challenge them uh, but at the same time help build the society and help uh, solve bigger problems and also express themselves as individuals and as entrepreneurs
0: right I want to talk a little bit about the drivers and the writers so if mm-hmm. I'm let's let's begin with the the writers for example so if I'm a writer what do I do what do I just download the app get it on my phone can you kind of talk us through that process from the rider side yeah app? It's,
1: it's it's just as simple as any other app you just download the app you register yourself and voila you're good to go and you just book it. a ride like any other yeah
0: okay and then what about the driver side
1: so the drivers need to also download the app but they've visit our office with some, for some paperwork okay. and uh, there's some due, due diligence that's required um and once they are um once the due diligence is done they're good to go
0: okay is there do you offer training because I know some some ride sharing apps do that do you offer training to your drivers or it's just they're expected to yes have to like, okay
1: we we've we've done trainings uh, not just on the app but things around harassment and safe, yeah. safe riding and harassment against women so we've we've done a lot of training we do a lot of training
0: yeah. You've mentioned women a lot. And I saw on your website that I know you have a lot of safety features and there's some around gender preference. So can you yeah. talk a little bit about that? Why gender preference? Why is that important? It just,
1: yeah, it's it's too, uh, on, on two ways it's important because when we began our service, we, we, we didn't think that, uh, that women would prefer to ride with an unknown man yeah but but the problem with mobility was such that uh, uh, women would be and and that's the kind of society we have we are very liberal so we also found that many women wouldn't mind riding with an unknown man because you know there was a lot of safety apparatus in in place in our app right but at the same time uh, there could also be a large segment of women who would join our community of drivers and just to make them comfortable and make the riders comfortable, we, we had that feature where women can book a ride with women only. So it's just adding a feature that could make women feel much more safer if they're riding with the women, but at yeah. the same time also a- encourage a lot of women to join the workforce.
0: Right. So there's a, a, a large percentage of women who are actually driving, like they're interested in... Yes. In, right. Yes. That's great. Wow. Yeah, Amazing. We do... Okay, and now I want to talk about the challenges of building a platform like this. I know you mentioned some bureaucracy, but is there anything else that you'd like to share with us, in particular? I mean, well, when, when we began
1: when we, yeah. began, when we began, when we began a service, uh, the biggest challenge, of course, was uh, you know, when when we start a startup, I, I've always felt that it's not just about solving a problem, right? Uh, of course, it's about expression, but at the same time, a large part of what startups sh- should be doing is changing behavior of people. Right. Uh, so for, for, for us in Nepal, um, we didn't have an existing behavior of using an app and taking a ride. So that behavior never existed. And, and a lot of people didn't know companies like uber or dd even existed right Uh, many of them never used 4g uh, on the move Uh, many people didn't use uh, digital uh, uh, digital payments so that was one part of the problem that we had to change people's behavior in mass Uh, that the other side of the problem was in in cities like ours in emerging markets we did not have something called dignity in work because mm. no one grows up to become a taxi driver, let alone being a bike taxi driver. Right. Mm. So uh, giving a ride on a motorcycle to make an income of, say, a dollar or two dollars per trip was not as dignified for people to take up. So these are the two things, uh, two behavioral challenges. I'm sure, you know, there've been a lot of other bureaucratic challenges, taxi union backlash, things like that, which happen everywhere. But for us, the biggest challenge was changing these two behavior of people where, you know, you you were using a technology or an app to book a ride and take a ride on the other Mm -hmm. side to create that dignity in work. So um, the behavioral change was a bigger challenge. But we're happy that Tootl to, and because of us, we've established um, this new behavior in town. And we have more than 100,000 100, people who make daily income out of this industry. So we didn't just create a startup. We created an industry that, that feeds people. So we're very happy about it.
0: Really curious. Are, are the majority of your drivers, do they do this? full-time, it's their only source of income, or is it a part of their income, like a additional source of income or a part-time job?
1: You know, that's a very interesting question. You know, when we began our service uh, five or six years back, for most of the people, it would be a part-time gig, right? And they would work uh, for low paying salaries, but on the free time, they would do this. But as we progressed over, over time, people realize that hey this can make you a better income than working for a full time job so now it's more yeah. of our of our drivers are doing it as a full time gig rather than a part time one so the dynamics have evolved and changed over the years
0: yeah and again that's all a part of the behavior change that you just you just mentioned as well So people have realized that they can they can actually make a living out of this. Right. So what are your future plans? I mean, you don't maybe you don't want to share totally, but any snippets of what what's to come for Toodle? Well, uh, you know,
1: we definitely uh, want to grow, uh, want to establish ourselves um, uh, with with growth. But at the same time, there the other verticals that we'd like to address. Yeah. Um, we we feel that uh, things like uh, sustainable mobility is on the cards. Um, so how can we get into say things like EVs? Uh, how can we disrupt the market of the logistics and delivery? Uh, those things are also on the horizon. So uh, we 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 want to address those those markets and also maybe providing our bikers with access to finance on their e-mobility things like that, which which we are right now in the process of uh, uncovering.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's that's a pretty... The, so we kind of see where this is going, which is pretty exciting. That's nice. That's nice. What lessons have you learned from your entrepreneurial journey that you'd love to share with us? This is a question I ask everybody near the end of the, the podcast.
1: Well, I think uh, the... the the biggest lesson lesson is uh, the lesson of optimism, right?
0: Mm.
1: Um, I've always felt that uh, uh, if you want to bless anyone, you need to bless them to become an entrepreneur, uh, be- become an optimist. I think it's the optimists that change the world because I think it's optimism that keeps you alive and keeps you going when things are really dire, uh, in your journey as an entrepreneur and, and Hey, uh, journey of an entrepreneur is very very challenging and it's extremely extremely hard Uh, the lows are lows but highs are highs as well so you're rewarded today but you're punished tomorrow you're glorified for doing something you may be vilified for doing exactly the same thing by others so it's a it's a huge challenge but uh, what can make you sail through that challenge is, is is optimism uh, and uh, that's one lesson that I've learned, to be an optimist. Great.
0: And I know you don't have a large public, public profile, but would you like to share any contacts with us if someone wanted to reach out to you?
1: Yeah, Sure, I can, uh, I can be reached out at uh, my email, which is b-h-a-t-t-a-s-i-x-i-t at gmail.com.
0: Okay, brilliant. I'll and make sure uh, to you can, that. You
1: can, yeah, and uh, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram and Facebook, all the social medias. So people can reach me out through LinkedIn and, and my email.
0: Under the same name, right? Your, your full name.
1: Exactly. Precisely, yes.
0: Great. Well, it was a real pleasure to talk with you. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thanks, Joanne. Uh, pleasure speaking to you.
0: Okay, and until next time, folks, bye for now. If you enjoyed this conversation, visit the Raybirds platform to learn and hear more from startups in emerging markets. Download our podcast episodes by visiting the website at www.raybirdshq.com or via iTunes spotify google anchor and wherever you listen to podcasts join our growing global community of rare ones by subscribing to our newsletter on our website and visit our shop to purchase some rare gear for yourself or as a gift for your friends thanks again for listening in and until next time rare ones bye for now